Startup Journeys Founders Unplugged podcast, the place where we peel back the layers of the startup world. In this inaugural episode, we're in conversation with Shane Van de Borstenbosch, a seasoned business owner and startup founder, and a trusted advisor to my previous venture. Shane's known for thinking outside the box. Now, whether you're a new or early stage founder, his insights are bound to strike a chord with you. Now, let's catch a glimpse of some of the most thought-provoking moments and highlights from our discussion. My joke to most uh, business startups is the best thing you can do is go to the casino, take all your money, and just bet it on black. Listening to successful business people on stage who have had five successful businesses, the truth is that they've had one successful business and then they've had cash. And the cash has allowed them to fast track the next four. So the solution is easy. Just have a mozza of money and spend it really quickly and fast track your development. And of course, every single startup has a mozza of money. There's two pieces of advice. One is know when to stop flogging a dead horse. And the other piece of advice is know when to persevere. And unfortunately, hindsight is the only thing that can tell you whether or not you made the right call. If you want to be selling a product and be successful, then you know, basically set up a hamburger joint on a beach surrounded by starving people. Um, and so a minimum viable product allows you to get to that stage and find the starving crowd. We're about to plunge into the full unfiltered conversation where Shane shares his wealth of knowledge and experience in the startup space. So let's dive right in. Welcome, Shane. Ah, thank you for giving me the honor of being your very first person. To get started, I guess people will know a bit about you. Okay, so I'm an engineer and a, uh, a software programmer. So in one sense, I sort of fell into my business in I was in the right place at the right time when a temperature logger became available and no one was selling it. So I grabbed the opportunity and went with it. Uh, temperature loggers are just simply devices that will record the date, time and temperature and uh, ideal for monitoring fridges. Uh, so my decision to go into business was not a thought out one. It was really an opportunistic one. Uh, and since then, I've gone from importing uh, temperature loggers to having our own hardware, having our own IP. So I've been through the entire R&D process uh, since starting my business. Well, I guess, you know, like uh, any business owner or startup founder, you've faced many challenges along the way. Um, I guess, you know, I'd like to talk about some of these challenges or maybe some of the biggest challenges and what lessons you learned from that. Uh, yeah, so uh, the one I'd like to talk about uh, with you now is really about the challenges of R&D. And so for a lot of startups, especially nowadays where we've got so many software as a service um, startups happening, R&D is where you're really just taking an idea and moving it forwards a bit and trying to apply it to a particular market. And it seems easy and it seems like everyone's doing it, um, but the truth is that there's a lot of perils that go along and for all the successes that we hear about, uh, more often than not, there's probably a dozen failures that are there as well. So R&D, really, really tricky process. Okay, and, and uh, what would you say to a new startup founder that's about to start that process? 
what from what you've learned what would, what's the best way to go about that to have the maximum chance to be successful with that since i first started there's been a number of changes that have have really made a significant difference so the biggest one i would say is the concept of a minimum viable product so rather than thinking that you have to get to the end it's really just that concept of what is the the first step that you need to get to to um, to get to market uh, and then that allows you to uh, test the um, uh, whether or not the market is really there, how big the market is, how keen the market is. Mm -hmm. um, we also now have Agile as a methodology for doing software development. And so that's made a big, big difference as well, um, which just means that you start off thinking you know where you want to end up, but you take those first couple steps and you reassess where you're heading and you do those small adjustments just to make sure that you really nail uh, the customer's needs as you go along. So they're the good things that are now pretty much standard sort of practice that weren't around when I first started. Um, mm. But even with those, there's still pitfalls that um, if you aren't actively looking for them, will uh, sneak up and catch you. Yeah, and just going um, into minimum viable product. Now, as you know, um, our minimum viable product became a bit of a Ben-Hur. So just going back around four years ago, our development, when we started developing, because we had a platform for uh, training in 360 VR, uh, and we need, there was no platforms at that time. So we looked at a few different things and we decided to go with the Unity platform. And it started with, with the first developer pretty much saying that you know it could be built in six weeks and three hours per scenario and then four years later uh, it was a massive project um, and and i think the lesson i learned from that is before you go into so much development and so much cost you really got to see if your product is viable and just have a very minimal um, M mvp uh, and uh, I guess really in the end we did, it wasn't MVP because it wasn't minimal anymore. But if you can test the market and see if there's interest at the very, very early stage before you go into a massive development with something that you, know, you may not be able to sell or there may not be the interest that you want, um, I think that's really, really important. And a lot of startup founders, including myself, make that mistake. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I read a book once, which was um, uh, Feed a Starving Crowd, which was that concept of if you, um, if you want to be selling a product and be successful, then you know, basically set up a hamburger joint on a beach surrounded by starving people. Um, and so a minimum viable product allows you to get to that stage and find the starving crowd. Um, the truth is, though, most of us, um, have an idea and we we go to market or you know we, we head in a direction thinking this is where it's at uh, and for me I was fortunate because I was selling traditional loggers and was heading in the direction of wireless loggers I knew that's where the future was mm -hmm. um, uh, whereas in your case um, you, you you were looking three steps ahead and yes um, the future is going to be there the biggest problem was trying to fill the gap between 
where you know it's going to be and where people were. And that was really, really tough. Um, and so there were a number of, 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 wait a minute, let's move into this industry. Maybe they're going to be more mature. Oh, let's move into this industry. And that made it really, really uh, yes. difficult for you. For me, my challenge was um, uh, just making the uh, minimum viable product. I was up against... Uh, one technical issue after the next. And in one sense, technical issues are really, really good because if you're having a technical issue, it means that chances are everyone else is having that technical issue. Mm -hmm. And so they're, they're good issues to have because you know that people aren't going to be following you quickly. Um, but then what was happening with one of my R&D projects was a lot of little small um, issues such as the... Um, the prototype boards were mislaid. And so it's problems that we have, but our opposition wouldn't be having. And these were the roadblocks that suddenly just meant that our R&D project was getting further and further delayed. Um, so for us, just getting to that minimum viable product, even though we knew we had to get there, it just got further and further and further away um, uh, just because of uh, some a lot of problems that were just beyond our control. Considering um, that your, your background is an engineer and developer, um, what are your thoughts on uh, technology? Um, this is what happened with us as well. Because it did take four years to develop, once it's developed, some of it was um, already old technology. So um, you need to be constantly keeping up to date with the technology which of course is more cost involved. And if you take a long time to develop something, then uh, you know it can, by the time it's finished, it can be already old technology. Now, we, uh, we didn't get um, any investment money. We were self-funded. Um, so we had a certain amount. And so we couldn't put a huge amount in to get like a whole huge team of developers and get it done really quickly. So it, you know, for that reason, it took longer. But then at the end of that, um, the technology was already a little bit old. And then, then you've got other things like AI that's come up now that changes the game in a whole lot of areas as well. So, I mean, that can just happen out of the blue. Big changes can happen and things can uh, be out of date. The technology can be out of date really quickly. So, I mean, how do you get around that? What do you, what's your advice on that? And for startups, I think that's a really, really big issue. Even just for myself now, we're trying to bring a product to market and what's happening is that um, because of certain delays, we're bringing a second product to market at the same time. And so now we're suddenly doing our development at half speed because we're across two different projects. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and now one of those projects is up against that same problem you're talking about where it's now been um, two years and so there's been changes to um, the, the uh gateway technology and then what's happening is that oh this chip's no longer available so now we have to change to a different chip and and so um, if you're trying to do things on a shoestring budget then you are going to be stringing it out over time so the solution is easy just have a mozza of money and spend it really quickly and fast track your development and of course every single startup has a mozza of money of and uh, um, and so this is my personal pet theory when it comes to listening to successful business people on stage who have had five successful businesses, mm. the truth is that they've had one successful business and then they've had cash. And the cash yeah. has allowed them to fast track the next four. And so 
it's really their first one that you'll get most of the gems from because that's where they've done it with a limited budget or whatever. So in one sense, my, my tip would be if you aren't 100% and you're trying to do something quickly, sell 49% and get that cash injection so that you can fast track to get to market sooner. Uh, but, you know, that's easier said than done. Yeah, um, no, I, I would agree with that. Um, but then it brings in a whole another kettle of fish, which is going down the investment uh, route and bringing in that money and giving away equity and all of that, which would be a conversation for another day. Um, however, no, I totally agree. Like if we, for example, in, in my startup, if we had a whole monster of money, get the development done really quickly so it's not out of date and also put a whole bunch into sales and marketing as well because there are some other startups that were doing almost identically what we're doing that started after us that did get big investments and really took off doing pretty much the same thing. So we lagged in the development area, a little bit out of date, but um, what we had was really good uh, and we just didn't have the sales and marketing um, resources um, to to get it over the line. And as you know, Shane, we became we came close uh, many times and it became a bit of a source of frustration in the end, getting that close, that close, that close. But getting those sales B2B uh, is not easy. And that's, that's a whole other conversation that I'll have with other founders uh, and, and advisors that are in the, the sales area. But I, I know that you always talk about um, how one of the biggest factors for success is that, you know, large amount of cash you can put into the business. But unfortunately, most startup founders don't have that. And so in a way, they have to choose, okay, which, which route do we go? Do we go the investment route? And after about a year in my startup, um, talking to a very successful founder that had three different, start, uh, three different startups that were all successful, he pretty much said, look, if you're going to go down the investment route, you do that full time for one year. And it's something I really didn't want to do. It, it wasn't something that I thought, oh my God, just chasing after investors for a year, I didn't do that. Maybe that was a mistake, you know, but um, in hindsight, it's 2020. But uh, now, totally agree, it, it, it does make things a lot easier. But, you know, the people listening to this podcast, most of them won't have that money. Uh, and so they need to do what they can to improve their sales skills, to make their MVP, you know, as um, low cost as possible and, if, and, and get it out there and test the market as soon as possible, make any adjustments and make sure that that's something that, that people want, I guess. And so I guess now I've got the benefit that all of my R&D is being funded by the profits of the rest of my business. Mm -hmm. uh, but I know when my business started, my R&D was actually being funded by the contract that I had. So I was doing uh, contracts uh, documentation as a technical writer mm -hmm. and in my spare time was writing the software and in fact that's where a lot of your your big name startups actually you know it's the pet project on the weekends um, that get it across the line and so I think that's an important uh, principle for a lot of startups is you need to have a an independent income stream um, but where most of us make the mistake is thinking that if we just have a trickle of money coming into uh, the project, then we can get it across the line. And the hard, hard truth is, um, no, you'd be better off pumping money in faster. But at the same time, my joke to most 
uh, business startups is the best thing you can do is go to the casino, take all your money and just bet it on black. And if you can't afford to do that, then you can't afford to be a startup because you've, you're looking at 50-50 chance of it winning, 50-50 chance of losing. And in fact, it's worse than that. We know that most businesses fail in their first year. And so um, so my my recommendation is, yeah, get more money up front and, and commit to it sooner, mm-hmm. but only if you can afford to lose it. Um, yeah. And so yeah. it, it's a tough one. It's, um, and if you're uh, going to fail, fail fast, no? Fail, fail fast, yes. Fail fast, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah. that's a hard truth to, um, to listen to. Um, and in my very first failed R&D project, my problem was I was just trickling money into the project and, um, and it just kept on going on and going on. Mm-hmm. And the end was always so close. And that was your experience. It's, it's, yeah. We're almost there. Um, I was fortunate in that my moment of failure was when the hardware designer said, oh, yeah, we've got this board and we're almost ready to go to market. And it's got this limitation, this limitation, this limitation. But by the way, I've just developed this other board and it doesn't have any of those limitations. And we're going, fantastic. So we can port our code across. And he goes, no, I have to start again. <laughs> and we're just going, so what you're telling me is we're back three years ago. And so it was a clean break. That was my wake-up moment of I had to yeah. put the pin there. Um, you know, five years later, we repeated the exercise with a different team and we got it across the line. And this is a really tough piece of advice for um, for any business owner is there's two pieces of advice. One is know when to stop flogging a dead horse and the other piece of advice is know when to persevere. And unfortunately, hindsight is the only thing that can tell you whether or not you made the right call. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Or I listening to always... this podcast yeah. and getting all the advice of people coming in in the future. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and I remember, uh, you know, like thinking we're so close, we're so close. And then there's some um, like cartoon of a guy in a gold mine with a pick digging and he's like, that far away from the goal you see on the other side, he doesn't see it. And then like he gives up there. And I always felt like it was that with us, you know, and um, that's what made us keep going, keep going, keep going. But there was lots of other factors, like I said, sales, COVID, all that sort of stuff that we had to go through. Um, just, just a question, uh, something that we've discussed before as well, and it's been a bit of interest talking to other startup founders that are you know, well-established, how much do you think that luck plays in being successful in a startup? I think that there are rules for failure. So you can say, if you do this, you will fail. And that's, that's a safe bet. I don't think there are rules for success um, because unfortunately success depends on so much more that's then beyond your own control. Um, and so there's, you know, being in the right place at the right time um, mm. definitely plays a, a big, big role. Uh, so, for example, COVID just saw a, a massive shift in, in wealth. Um, and so you, if you had the right product at the right time, you had it on the shelves, you made a huge amount of money. Um, but if you didn't have it on the shelves, uh, then you didn't, or if you're in the wrong industry or whatever. So COVID is, is a really extreme example of, something that just totally changed everyone's lives. 
Um, and there were some people who were in the right place at the right time. There's no one who was sitting around going, I expect a pandemic to be coming in the next two years. I'm going to be stocking up on hand sanitizer. Exactly. Exactly. Um, uh, but at the same time, um, you know, whether or not a large customer happens to hear from you from a conversation from another person or whatever, you can't control that. But at the same time, you can have a really good reputation with your customers such that they will be talking. So, yes, you can improve your chances, but you can't guarantee your chances. There's, there's still a lot that's just beyond your control. Yeah, and, and your network is, is a big part of that as well. Like, we've built up a big network, but just going back to, to my company, um, my startup, YesVR, you know, virtual reality training, uh, there's another company that's very similar uh, called Striver in the US, which is a huge company now. They train 1.5 million Walmart employees and, and Verizon and a whole, yeah, they, they're absolutely huge. And the way they got started was the founder, I think it was around six, seven years ago, was at an NRL match and talking to an, a, an executive, they were actually using VR for the NRL and talked to the Walmart executive who got a keen interest in it and that's how they started all the training. So, you know, you can be a bit lucky like that, um, be at the right place at the right time. Um, so there, there is some luck in it, but I don't think it's a good thing just to think, okay, you know, I'm going to be lucky or I'm not going to be lucky. You just do everything possible so you can create that luck, so to speak. It's not really luck. Um, to finish up, um, is there anything else that you'd like to add? Um all the best with this this podcast series. I think okay. that um, we have a lot of people jumping up and down saying, hey, listen to me, I've got the secrets to success. Um, whereas I think, yeah, it's actually on reflecting on uh, wins and losses and trying to learn from others that we, um, we can try to avoid some of the pitfalls uh, as we go through business. So uh, yes, all the best with the series. Thanks very much, Shane, and really appreciate you coming on today and uh, your time, which is very, really valuable. And um, I'm sure that there'll be lots of fantastic lessons in there for new startup founders and entrepreneurs. So looking forward to getting the podcast out. Fantastic. Okay. Thanks so much, Shane. Thanks a lot. Bye. Okay. Bye. And that's a wrap for this episode of Startup Journeys, Founders Unplugged. We hope you found this conversation with Shane as insightful and inspiring as we did. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to embark on more startup journeys with us, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode filled with real stories and valuable insights from the startup world. Thank you for joining us on this adventure. And remember, the journey is just beginning. Stay curious, stay inspired, and keep innovating. Until next time, from all of us at Startup Journeys, take care and keep thriving in the world of startups.